So last week, <clears throat> Pat introed uh, on Easter Sunday, introed Psalm 23 to us. And so for today and the next six weeks, we're going to look at Psalm 23, one phrase or one verse at a time. And it's termed the Shepherd's Psalm for obvious reasons. And some of our material is going to come from a book that was <clears throat> written by a shepherd himself named Philip Keller, the Shepherd's Psalm. He was a shepherd <clears throat> for a number of years. He knew a lot about sheep and how we are comparable to them. <clears throat> it's interesting that Pat confirmed, because I, I read the book and I, I read the part where he said where if sheep are ever, if they ever get on their back, they can't get up, they can't get out, they'll literally die. It's like a turtle, <clears throat> they can't get up. And Pat confirmed that, they can't get up once they're on their back. I don't know. Uh, I was never a shepherd, never, never, and neither was anyone in my family a shepherd, but you might say that our family was semi-agrarian. My dad owned and managed a grain elevator near Valley City, North Dakota, and there it is. And he, besides the grain elevator, he also had a, a feed mill. And so that attachment there, that little annex onto the grain elevator, that was the feed mill. And you'll see some other, this, he sold Purina uh, uh, livestock feed. But this, we made our own feed for typically cows and pigs, and we go and deliver it. And I was involved in making the feed. I would deliver it, and I was involved in the whole operation on weekends or after school and, and certainly summers as well. Um, so anyway, we would feed the sheep and the, excuse me, the pigs and the cows, but I don't remember ever making any uh, feed for sheep. My dad also had the foresight to uh, buy some farmland back when you could purchase it at a decent price. So he bought some farmland, and for a couple of years, we farmed until we figured out that we didn't know what we were doing, and so we just rented it out to farmers who knew what they were doing. We were pretty clueless. But <clears throat> then there was the turkey farm. We had a turkey farm. We didn't have sheep. We had turkeys for a number of years, <clears throat> thousands of them, you know. We'd raise them from their little chicks until they were big and ready to go to the market. And they say that sheep are dumb. That's where we get the phrase, dumb sheep. But turkeys are several rungs lower <laughs> on the IQ ladder than sheep. Several young, I think they're at the bottom. I think they're at the bottom of the ladder they're the dumbest of all creatures. <clears throat> they crowd around together and, and they crush each other. They literally don't know enough to come in out of the rain. We had a barn. Of course, there was an opening to the barn so they could go out, you know, get some sun and things like that. They don't know enough to come out of the rain. One rainy evening, <clears throat> we had these turkeys. One rainy evening, my dad, <clears throat> we had to get them in and they, they wouldn't get in on their own. So he went down to one of the local bars and he opened the door and he shouted out, anybody who wants to make some money, come with me. So a bunch of men from the bar came and went out to, the, went out to the, our turkey farm and they would try herding them in or literally picking them up one by one or two by two by the legs and bringing them into the barn so that they could 
live. <clears throat> My dad said this, <clears throat> there's only one thing dumber than a turkey, and that's the guy that raises them. <laughs> but aren't you glad that the Lord said, at least he said, we're sheep and we're not turkeys. It doesn't say you're a turkey, you're a sheep. We're going to start today with verse 1 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23 is recognizable to a wide swath of people. Whether you are a believer in Jesus or not, you are likely familiar with this psalm. You've at least heard it somewhere, like at a funeral, which I will refer to in the coming weeks. This psalm, more than any other, is near and dear to me, it's the first psalm, it might have been the very first scripture, but it's the first psalm I mem memorized after coming to Christ in December of 1977. And also when Jean and I were married a year and a half later, and when we'd hop in our car, David was born, just a little baby, we'd hop in our, our Datsun B210 and uh, head off to Columbus at to the Ohio State University, we would stop in Minneapolis because that's where my mom's mom lived. That's where my mother grew up was in Minneapolis. So we stopped by Grandma Scovern's house and, and she would inevitably recite Psalm 23 to us in English and then she'd recite it in Czechoslovakian. She was an immigrant. She was full Czech. My mom was full Czech. And... And uh, she, she had it memorized in English and Czechoslovakian. It was really sweet. And then she'd hold David, our firstborn, as a baby, and she'd say, I love the babies. I love the babies. She had 13 children of her own. And my mom was third, she was third born. She was born in 1922. <clears throat> anyway, in the coming weeks, I'm going to share also how this psalm has impacted me. I'm going to be sharing on the verse where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'll close it up at the end of May with, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, but this psalm has impacted me, my dad, my mom, one of my brothers particularly, my brother Dave, who recently walked through the valley of the shadow of death on February 15th of this year, and he now dwells in the house of the Lord forever. So, the Lord is my shepherd. Before David became king, he was a shepherd. He was with the sheep on the cold nights, the dewy mornings, the hot days. He kept them together. He went after the ones who strayed. He brought them back, back to the flock, back to the fold. He made sure they had pasture, that they had good, clean, fresh water. He defended them from predators. If And this really happened. A lion came, tried to take one. He dueled with the lion, beat the lion, killed the lion. He slew the lion. Same thing happened with a bear. He tried. He killed a bear that tried to take a sheep. David knew what it was to be a shepherd. And so to him, the declaration, the Lord is my shepherd, was full of meaning to him. Full of meaning. 
He, it's literally this, the use of the Lord, just the word the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it loses perhaps a little bit of meaning from us unless we, to us unless we look into it a little closer. It's literally Yahweh, or it's literally Jehovah is my shepherd. It's like the name of my God is Yahweh. The name of my God is Jehovah. He could have just said, you know, God is my shepherd, like a generic God, but he said Jehovah, the name of his God was Jehovah, Yahweh is his shepherd. There were many gods, just like now there are many gods, small g. He didn't say Baal is my shepherd, or Asherah is my shepherd, or Dagon, or Moloch is my shepherd. David said Yahweh, Jehovah is my God, my shepherd. It's his name. And in Hebrew, it's, it's actually these four Hebrew letters. I don't know much about Hebrew, but you, you, Y-H-W-H is how we would translate into English. And the Jews, the Jews considered the word Yahweh too sacred to be spoken. And so they, they intentionally did not preserve, a, this is what I read, the pronunciation of it. So we think we know how it's pronounced, but they wouldn't even have, it was so holy to them that they wouldn't even pronounce his name. This is David's God, Yahweh, his shepherd. Just as David cared for his sheep, God, Jehovah, took care of him. And Jesus is referred, as, referred to as a shepherd in the New Testament, really in three different ways. Of course, we know one, Pat shared about it last week, he says, I am the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He gives his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life on the cross for your sins. He's the good shepherd. He died for us. It's either you die and you spend eternity in hell or you accept Jesus' death on the cross, the eternal one who died in your place. He's the good shepherd. He's also the great shepherd. He's the resurrected one. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he's the great shepherd, the one who raised was raised from the dead, which we celebrated last week on Easter. And we celebrate it every day. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's the good shepherd, he's the great shepherd, he's also the chief shepherd. He's the one who's coming again. 1 Peter 3, 4, it says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. He's speaking to pastors, elders, those who have faithfully served the flock. A crown of glory. When the chief shepherd appears, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. I want to ask you a question. Are you ready for his return? Are you ready for him to come back? First of all, is he your chief shepherd? Is he your number one? Are you ready for his return? He's the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. He's the great shepherd who was raised from the dead. And he's the chief shepherd who is soon to return. He's soon to return. There are many things that are wrong in our world. There always have been, but they seem to be multiplying, maybe because it's hitting closer to home in our country. Don't let your heart be troubled. He will set things right when he returns. 
Just know this, that before he uh, returns, before he sets things right with the world, we Christians will appear before him as called the judgment seat of Christ. Before he returns and rules over the world, there will be a meeting with us, with us, with him in heaven, the judgment seat of Christ, and he'll go through our lives. And, and uh, uh, he'll do a, a survey of our lives. <clears throat> it should be a reminder for us that every time we wish for Christ to return and judge the world, let's first examine our own lives in the light of the Bible and repent of our own wayward ways that we won't have to do that at the judgment seat of Christ. Question is, is the Lord, is the Lord your shepherd? He has a twofold claim on your life. He has a twofold claim on your life. Number one, he's your creator. He made you. <clears throat> Years ago, when I was attending the University of North Dakota, <clears throat> I would sometimes go for walks at night and on a clear, dark night, get away from campus, away from the lights, I would, I would literally I'd look up into the heavens and I'd see the moon and the stars and I was in awe. And I, it, I had this feeling, God, you mu-. I wasn't an atheist or anything like that, but I, God, you must be there. You created the universe. You are awesome. I want to get to know you. For sure there had to be a God. It didn't happen by chance. It didn't happen by evolution. Here's a few slides of God's beautiful creation, the stars. That's something you go out on a clear, black, dark night away from the lights of the city. You can see all those stars in the heavens, more than we can count. God made them all. From the, from the heavens above, right down to the microscopic Here's another slide, diatoms, the jewels of the sea. Diatoms are single-celled algae, and they're not just little blobs of protoplasm. They're under the microscope, they're beautiful. They have, they have a whole plethora of geometric shapes. God, he could have made them just, you know, amorphous, but look at those. That's a slide of, of diatoms, God's jewels of the sea, or DNA. Now, I don't have a slide of DNA, a depiction of it. Just amazing, God's creation. And here's a picture from a year or so ago, a sun dog. Aren't you glad you live in North Dakota? You don't get these in Florida. You don't get a sun dog. Those are beautiful. Or have you ever seen this, a moon dog? Anybody ever seen a moon dog? We saw, I don't remember the date on this, I think it was, it was last year, I believe, a moon dog. You do not get that in just any place in the world. Or flocked trees. We had a bunch of that this winter, didn't we? God flocks the trees. And uh, Gene took a picture of that. And then there's one more beauty I want to show you. That's my wife blowing snow this winter in February. Anyway, God is my creator, and for that reason, he has a claim on my life. I have a responsibility to seek him and to follow his rules of life. Evolutionists have often admitted that one of the reasons 
they cling so tightly to their theory is because to believe otherwise would mean they have a responsibility to the Creator. Aldous Huxley said this, the philosophy of meaninglessness derived from evolution was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. Do you see that? I don't want to be responsible to God. I want to live my life, my morals, my terms. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that if you believe in evolution is because you want to live an immoral life. I'm not saying that. You may have been taught evolution as a fact and not been fully exposed to the truth of creation. Creation in six literal days. Mankind created on the sixth day a literal Adam and Eve and a, a young earth, a young universe, not a universe that is millions or billions of years old. But know this, that many of the proponents of evolution, they have, they had an agenda to be free from God's claim on their lives and be free from his moral standards. I, here's another invitation to that apologetics class. Next uh, Sunday, the 23rd, uh, the specific title is Creation versus Evolution. And we'll, you'll get a taste of, if you haven't had a good taste of creation, Richard will lead us in that. 9.45 to 10.15. Because God created me as a claim on my life, Daniel Webster said this. He's a believing Christian. Daniel Webster said this. The most important thought I ever had was that of my responsibility to God. He understood that God had a claim on his life. Number two, he's got a claim on my life also because he's my redeemer. Jesus bled and died on the cross for me. He has a claim on my life not only because he created me, but he gave up his life for me. He's my shepherd. He's my boss. He's the one who calls the shots. Question, is he your shepherd? Do you, do you acknowledge him as creator, first of all? Like it says in Hebrews eleven six. he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that is a reward of those who diligently seek him. That's the first step. Acknowledge him as your creator. And then have you, have you accepted him as Savior and Lord? Again, Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then here's the, re here's the reasonable response for us from that same book of Romans. Each you, therefore, brethren. Should I switch? It's kind of cutting out on me, isn't it? I guess I'm going to have to. Do we turn? You want to turn this one off, please? Go back to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the reasonable thing to do to live 100% all out for God. Tell God you're all in. Whatever He says you'll do the rest of your life, today going forward, commit. And I want to talk about the last part of Psalm 1-1 as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. With God as our shepherd, we'll be under the best of care. He knows your needs, he knows your strengths, he knows your weaknesses. He will always be there for us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
You know, that's, that's the most important thing in my life. I know that God is with me. He's never going to walk away from me. Psalm 118 says this, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? As our shepherd, <clears throat> as, our, as, as our shepherd, we take his orders, his directions for life. If God really is your shepherd, you'll be able to say, I shall not want, or as another version says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I have everything I need. This is a version that my brother Dave had, besides the New King James, which I use and which all of you should be using as well. Just kidding. Seven years ago, 2015, Christmas Day 2015, Gene and I had the privilege of leading my brother Dave to Christ. And it was very unexpected. We're here in Grand Forks. He was living in Valley City alone. <clears throat> and Christmas Day, uh, we drove down to pay him a visit. And um, uh, my brother Dave was an accumulator. You know what that is? He's a hoarder. He, so we stopped by the house, and, and Gene made lunch, sandwiches. We didn't, couldn't really stay at his house, so we hopped in the car, we went up on the hill to the train depot. We sat and um, ate. Did he offer to pray for the meal? Yeah, and I, that, I forgot about that, and then Gene reminded me. He... Totally, un and believe me, this is really unexpected. This is a brother of mine who had been, who'd been <clears throat> very antagonistic, very defensive, very off offensive against Jesus, the Bible, the gospel. It was a total change. So he offered to pray for the meal, which he did. And then we ate. <clears throat> and as we were finishing up, he said, he said something to the effect, I want to... I want to do what dad did. A number of years earlier, we had led my dad to Christ. <clears throat> he had since passed away. I want, I want what dad did. I want, to come, I want what, what happened to my dad. I want to do the same thing. I want to come to Christ. We shared the gospel with him. <clears throat> and Jean was in the back seat. Dave was in the front with me. And I could look in the mirror and I could see like she was just like, is this really, <laughs> is this really happening? Yes, it was. He prayed to receive Christ. And, and he had a freedom. Prior to that, he was, he, like, he was, he was afraid of, of um, voices and, and, and things that weren't really happening. He was imagining things. He was seeing things. It was, there was demonic activity going on. And Gene shared, said, look, when that happens, you just say out loud, in the name of, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And he, he, would, he did that. And he said, Gene, it works. Anyway, uh, we dropped him off after he came to Christ, dropped him off in his house and drove back. And, of course, I, I nap in the car. Gene doesn't nap in the car. And so Gene was driving. On the way back, she had, did this really happen? She had doubts. Is this really true? Does, was he sincere? And as soon as we got back home, she received a call from Dave and said, I just want you to know that what I said was genuine. I meant every word of it. How did he know? And uh, he, a couple of years after that, he wrote this letter to me. 
I saved it and I shared it at his funeral. I really enjoyed our visit on Saturday. We had gone down to visit him. Uh, loved the talking, solving my eye problem, and the ride to mother's grave and to the holiday graves. It is a long way for you to drive, but it helped my energy level. Thank you again for helping me accept Christ into my life at the train depot and for saving my life by drive, driving me to Sanford Hospital. I want to be buried next to mother and have a headstone just like mother has. No cremation. I give my spirit to Christ for saving my life and to Tom and Jean for helping me get saved. Isn't that awesome? We're going to talk more about my brother Dave and and uh, again, in three weeks when I uh, share a little bit about his walk through the valley of the shadow of death and my dad as well. We would call Dave every day, and I would have him read Psalm 23 to me. He'd read it every, every time we called, and then I would sometimes recite it, and, and he would finish the verse. He had it just about memorized. He could finish every verse that I started. David passed away, Dave passed away on February 15th of this year. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. But to close up, I like that version that he had in his, his uh, room at the nursing home. It's called the Good News Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And I'd just like you to ask that question now to you. Do you have everything you need? Do you have everything you need? If you do, that is a good indication that God really is your shepherd, that you're satisfied with your lot in life. Let's uh, stand for closing prayer and the band can come up. Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus, you are our shepherd. We have everything we need. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for revealing yourself to me when I was in college as my creator, but even more so, my redeemer, the one who gave his life, shed his blood, died on the cross for me. And uh, I really do have everything I need. I have way more than I need. And I thank you that you're the author of all that. And uh, thank you for our time here today. Pray you bless these folks as we depart and we sing this last song. We sing it to you, Jesus. Amen.